Father in heaven, thank you so much for this past week that you've watched over us. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we have to come and study your word together. I pray, O oh Father, that you would please send us your Holy Spirit. Lead and guide us, O oh Lord, into all truth. Speak to our hearts with thy word this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. Well, our study for this evening is entitled, Jesus' Encounter with a Man Born Blind. And what's very interesting is that there is another, another party that comes into this story, and you'll see it very clearly as we go along. Our first text is found in John chapter 9, starting in verses 1 and 2. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they come across this person that's born blind, and, and the disciples ignorantly, in some sense, ask Jesus this question, who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? That's the reason why he was born blind. From this question, we can see how the people in general viewed suffering back then, and even to a great extent, we view it even in our day and age as well. We view it as a punishment from God, as if we've done something wrong and God is punishing us. This person must have done something bad in order for something so terrible to happen to them. And in this case, it was being born blind. This man was born blind from his birth. And we see this sort of twisted thinking even in the Old Testament, which obviously carried on into the New, in the book of Job. Do you remember Job? He was the richest, one of the richest men on earth. And he had 10 sons and daughters as well. And in one day, he lost all his fortune. He lost all his children. And his friends came and asked him, Job, what did you do wrong? You must have done something wrong because God doesn't treat righteous people this way. Only sinners. Oh, we thought you were a righteous person, Job. You must have done something wrong. And so even in the Old Testament, we, we see that the people thought this way. Blessings, God is with you. You're rich, God is with you. Well, something bad happens like losing your money or losing all your children in one day, you must have been some really wicked person for this to happen. This sort of twisted thinking existed even in the times of Jesus. So they were asking him, Jesus, who sinned? Was it this man himself or was it his parents? How does Jesus reply? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You see, friends, it isn't always about whether that person did anything wrong or not. Sometimes they did nothing at all. They were an innocent party. Job sure was, but it's just because Satan had a problem with him because he was righteous. And Satan's claim against him was what? You see, the reason why Job follows you, God, is because you bless him. Let me take away all his blessings. Let's see if he'll still be faithful to you. Friends, it's not always personal sin or our parents' sin that cause um, disease or, or, or these calamities, I guess, to fall upon us. But yes, yeah, sometimes it is sin. But sometimes it's just nature and the devil working. But God says, look, it's also that the glory of God 
would be made, the works of God should be made manifest in him. Let's continue in verse 6 and 7 of John chapter 9. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. So it's interesting. How come Jesus just, he didn't just speak a word and or touch the guy and says, you're healed. Why didn't he just speak as he had done in other times? And the people that, that obeyed, like, like the one who is crippled, he just obeyed the word of God and he was healed. Why is it that he went to all this trouble to put clay on his eyes and this says, now, now go wash. I mean, this man was blind. Of all people, you should have asked this one to just be healed by your word, right? Why did Jesus have to speak? I mean, obviously it worked, but why is it that he seemed to take a different route? Well, look, it's not that there is any healing power in the clay itself or the water which we, with which he used to wash his eyes. The healing power was dependent upon the word of God alone. And the interesting lesson that we learn from this is not so simply just why did he do that, but how far that blind man was willing to go to obey as well. You see, friends, the the word of God heals. It has power, but it requires our cooperation. Now, did that blind man take any credit for saying, oh, I washed in the pool and that water has healing power in it or that clay. Now, now, you just take some of this clay and it'll work. Look, natural remedies are important. Do you know, have you heard of hydrotherapy, water treatments? Um, You know, sometimes we're just so used to the the day and age that we live in where we pop in drugs, right? But natural remedies and hydrotherapy and all these different things, they have healing properties to it. But it's not even that in and of itself that, that has the power to make a blind man to be able to see. It was dependent upon the faith of the blind man and his willingness to follow the instruction of Jesus all the way. When that blind man was healed, he didn't go, look at me. Look how good I am. Jesus healed me. Yeah, but you know, I I did some of that. I I washed my eyes with water. That's why, you know, that, that was me. No, he didn't take any credit for it. His healing was dependent upon Jesus' word and him following his word. You see, friends, there's a part for us to play in our own healing, in our own salvation. Yes, we got to believe, but how much are we willing to follow the instruction every step of the way? We have such a story in the Old Testament as well, Naaman. He was a a captain of the Syrian army and he he had what? Leprosy. And Elisha told him, go wash in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. And he didn't believe it, neither was he willing to do it. But when he did it, finally he was made whole. But he didn't go, okay, it was me, it was me. No, his healing was dependent upon what? The Word of God. And so really, for for us, when it comes to salvation as well, our our belief must take hold of the Word of God and salvation comes to us depending upon how much we believe and how much we're willing to act out on it. 
The fact that we can actually do it, it doesn't mean that we have any strength or power of our own. The sufficiency and efficiency and power is all found in the Word of God alone. And so Jesus wanted to, I guess in a sense we could say, test this man to see how far he'll be willing to follow the Word of God and trust Jesus at His Word. How far are you willing to trust the Word of God and take God at His Word this evening as well? Are you willing to follow Him every step of the way, even though sometimes it might not make sense? How is clay and water going to make me help me to see God? It doesn't make sense. You know, uh, no, no one's ever done it like this before. I've never heard of such a remedy. I've never heard anyone heal anybody in such a way. Never mind a blind man. He could have reasoned it out so many ways. But he believed and he acted upon the word of God. Now, this man is healed and, uh, you know, he, he goes home and he is so happy. Finally, he's able to see his parents face to face for the first time. What happens along the way? Or at least, at least when he gets there, starting in verse 8 of John chapter 9. The neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? And he said, I know not. So this man, he goes back to his hometown and people are surprised. Is this the one that was blind? And they're all discussing amongst themselves. And he walks in and says, I was, I was the one that was blind. I am he. I'm the one. Well, how, how are you able to see? They were shocked. And it was by this man, Jesus. And now they're questioning, where is he? Where is he? And they don't know where, where, where he went and they don't know what to do. So what happened? Let's continue reading. Verse 13 to 16. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was division among them. So these people, they don't know what to do. They don't know where Jesus is. They bring this blind man before the Pharisees. And what do the Pharisees do? They begin to question him. And of course, they can't accept the fact that Jesus was the one that healed this blind man because they said he broke the Sabbath by healing on the Sabbath day. But yet, how could he have such power to heal like this if he's breaking the law of God? There's division. People don't get it. Well, he's a sinner. He broke the Sabbath. But I mean, how, how can someone do this with such power? It's as if these Pharisees were so zealous over the Sabbath that, um, that they were so concerned about the law of God that, you know, Jesus, oh, you broke it. But they, they weren't actually. They weren't zealous about the law of God. They were following forms and ceremonies. Do you know that? 
the, the, their Sabbath was so rigid and strict that you were not even allowed to walk a certain number of steps in a day. You couldn't even pull a handkerchief out of your pockets. It was so extreme. And here they are so upset that Jesus is healing on the Sabbath day, but they themselves were actually not obeying God fully. They cared more that Jesus actually broke the Sabbath, or at least they're trying to find fault with him breaking the Sabbath, than the fact that he was able to heal a man that was born blind on that day. Their focus was all wrong. Can you see that? Look, Jesus didn't actually break the Sabbath, okay? He did not break the Sabbath by healing this man on the Sabbath day. It's just that the Jews had such a twisted idea and thinking of how to keep the Sabbath that they thought that Jesus had broken the Sabbath. You see, Jesus did not come to change the law. He did not come to break the Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18, the Bible tells us, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jesus said, don't even come to think, don't let it even enter your mind that I've come to destroy the law. It's not going to change. Till heaven and earth pass, not even one jot, that's the dotting of the I, not even one tittle, that's the crossing of the T, that's not even a whole word, it's not even a whole letter, it's just a stroke that makes up part of the letter. I've not even come to change to the very least degree the law of God, which includes the Sabbath commandments. Jesus did not come to even change it. He did not come to abolish it or change it. It's just that they had had such a twisted understanding of how to keep the Sabbath that he had to come to show them how to really keep it, to do good on the Sabbath day. And don't think that Jesus was always just found doing good and healing people. No, he also went to uh, the church as well. Look in Luke chapter 4 verse 16, the Bible says this, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So, you know, he wasn't just healing and doing good on the Sabbath. He was also found in church on the Sabbath day, participating in part of the church service. Jesus was a Sabbath keeper at heart. And though he healed on the Sabbath, he was not breaking the Sabbath. He was not working. He was not receiving any wages. When he healed the crippled man, do you remember that story? There was this man by the pool of Bethesda who'd been there for over 30 years. And he, he asked this man to take up his mat, his bed, to walk and to go home on the Sabbath after he had been healed. The Pharisees saw that and they accused and condemned Jesus because Jesus had asked this man to do it. Okay, sure, you know, maybe we, we can stretch it to that extent. And you can go back and listen to that sermon that I spoke about, that I preached about. But even then, Jesus was not breaking the Sabbath. But now we come to this man who's born blind and he didn't pick up any mats. He wasn't doing anything that would have broken their Sabbath except that Jesus healed. They were just trying to find fault with Christ. Can you see how unreasonable they are and how full of hypocrisy they are? They're so jealous and hateful of Jesus that even when Jesus didn't even do anything wrong, they said it was wrong. 
And so, no, friends, Jesus did not break the Sabbath. He did not, did not come to change the Sabbath, except from its twisted and warped way in how the Jews were keeping it back then. Is the Sabbath still relevant? Absolutely, friends. It's found there. From Genesis to Revelation, it's found there in the Bible. But anyways, let's keep going. What happens next? John chapter 9 and verse 17. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? And he said what? He is a prophet. So they question him again, not that they don't know. I guess they're trying to intimidate him. But this man, he just simply says, Oh, this man's a prophet. And naturally, of course, the Pharisees cannot accept this. I mean, what? Jesus a prophet? No way! They were just declaring that he broke the Sabbath. And now this man is declaring him to be a prophet? So now they take it a step further. What do they do next? They can't accept his answer. So what do they do next? John chapter 9, verses 18 to 22. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been born blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. So now they call in the parents. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words, notice this, these words spake his parents. Why? Because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, that he should be put out of the synagogue. Can you see that? The parents knew. They knew that their son was born blind. They knew what had happened. I mean, come on, this is their son, but they were claiming ignorance and they did not want to say that it was Jesus because they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. They did not, the Pharisees did not want to believe the man themselves. They pull in their parents, but it's biased already. Why? Because they're intimidating the parents. If they confess Christ, they'll be kicked out of the synagogue. Now look, that doesn't seem so serious to us today. I mean, no pastor in their right mind would ever say that to anyone in their congregation. You kick me out? Okay, I'll just go down the road and go to another church. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. You, you don't want me? No, no big deal. I don't have to go to church, right? So many people today don't even see the need of going to church. So no pastor in their right mind would say that, right? But the reason why this was such a big deal in their day is because you see the nation of Israel was one religion. They all worshipped the same God. And when you're kicked out of the synagogue, you, you are an outcast of society. You can't go into any synagogue. And, and the worship of God, it sent the, the, the whole religion, it, it dictated their whole life. And so to be cast out of the synagogue in their day was a very, very serious situation. It would ruin your life. So the parents, they're scared of the threats of the Pharisees and more than actually telling the truth. And how many people, friends, how many of us have sacrificed principle to gain worldly 
temporal advantage than standing up for that which is right. We, if we have learned to stand before God, friends, we will learn to stand before any man and we will not be afraid of what human beings threaten us with if we have learned to stand in the audience chamber of God. But these parents, they were afraid and they did not want to tell the whole truth. He's of age. Go ask him yourself. You see that? Let's continue. John chapter 9 and verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. What do they mean by that? Give God the praise. You know, they're not trying to say, Hey, praise God, praise God, you're healed. No. They're trying to say, Praise God, tell the truth. This man's a sinner, isn't he? They are trying to convince this man to condemn Jesus, to call Jesus a sinner. They did not want to accept his testimony from the beginning that Jesus was a prophet. They were trying to do everything to to get this man to come to their side and to condemn and point at Christ. But how does the man respond? Verse 25, He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. Look, call him what you want, sinner or not. All I know is that I was born blind, he says, and now I see. This man healed me and he was just giving his testimony. He was just telling the Pharisees what, they, what had happened to him. And they just did not want to believe. They didn't want to believe that he's born blind. They didn't want to believe that Jesus actually healed him. They were just shutting their ears and their eyes for all this evidence that was before them that Jesus was more than human. He was. Jesus gave them plenty of evidence to see, but they just did not want to believe. Sure, you had a problem with that man carrying his bed on the Sabbath. But now this man, nothing. He's not carrying anything. All Jesus did was heal. And they're still condemning. Let's continue. John 9, 26 and 27. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? What did he do to you? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already. And ye did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? You know, this is the third time that they're questioning this man. He must have been tired by it by now. It's like, I've already told you my answer. If I say it again, are you going to change your mind? Are you going to become his disciples? They come and, you know, come tell us, how, how did he really open your eyes? They just don't want to believe. They can't accept his answer. Have you ever been in a situation like this before, friends? Have you been in a situation where no matter what you say, the people just will not believe? They've already made up their mind before you even talk or before you even meet with them? The Pharisees, they were not looking for every sign to to accept Jesus. They were looking for every little thing to condemn Christ. And yet Jesus, or what did He have done? He had done nothing but just to heal. I want you to understand, friends, how the Jews kept the Sabbath back then is not how we should even be keeping it today. It's not even close. It was not the way the Sabbath was to be kept 
at all. They had lost the spirit of the law. And not just that, it had blinded their eyes to see the Savior standing right there before them. And you know, friends, their, their, their attitude, the blind hatred of Jesus, it just didn't matter what this man said about Jesus. It just didn't even matter what Jesus did. It's not like this was the first time Jesus was performing a miracle, but yet they were closing their eyes to see all the evidence that Jesus was sending from heaven to them, that He was the Messiah that He was more than a man, that He was God in the flesh, yet they refused to see. You know, friends, we must be so careful that we don't allow our own thoughts or our own biases or or our, our jealousy of someone else to make us blind to the truth that is being shared, whether of God or even of another person. You know, it's so easy to take sides simply because of biases that we have in our hearts. But we got to lo- learn to go and talk to that person, to, to, to commune with them and get to know them before we make our own judgments. The Pharisees, they hated Jesus so much that He could not do anything right, that everything He did, did was wrong. Even when Jesus performed a miracle, they called him out saying that he performed miracles by the power of the devil and not by the power of the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that you will know them by their fruits. All they had to do was look at what Jesus was doing. Even with all their prejudice, Jesus gave them so much evidence. And friends, if you are not around to witness a situation, and this is so important, but if you are not around to witness something that's happened, make sure you gather all the information properly. And before you call that person a heretic, before you go and judge them, whether for good or even for bad, go and spend some time with them and talk to them. Understand what actually happened before you jump to conclusions saying, oh, I know that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're bad. They're bad. You see, that's exactly what happened with the Pharisees. Anything connected with Jesus was bad already. They were not willing to accept it. Even a man who was born blind and now can see. We got to be so careful. This is how gossip arises. This is what causes division in the churches, and even division amongst friends. We're not willing to talk it out. We're not willing to meet face to face. We're not willing to ascertain the true situation. Why? Because we think that we know it already. We think we know that person. We think that we know better than anyone else. But we have to make sure we do our due diligence, friends, to make sure we understand the situation. And then, Judge it by the fruits. And sometimes it's better just not to judge at all because you were not there at all because you would not know who might have been telling a lie and who was telling the truth. You will know them by their fruits. What you see, not what you hear. We've got to be so careful. That's what gossip is, friends. That's how people's reputations are destroyed. That's how enemies are made in a moment, whereas you've been friends for years and years. 
we got to be so careful. Gossip is doing the devil's work. Let's make sure we don't become like the Pharisees and make a judgment based upon our prejudices. But let's keep going, shall we? John chapter 9, verse 28 and 29. So the blind man who was now able to see asked, If I tell you again, are you going to be his disciple? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple. You're his disciple. But we, we are Moses' disciple. As if they cared so much about the law of God. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. They accuse this man for being biased to Jesus' side. Ah, you're his disciple. That's why you're saying such things. They couldn't see that they were the ones that were being blindly biased and prejudiced against Christ. And so they revile him. And look how this man responds. John 9, 30 to 33. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is. And yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshipper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the foundation, since the world began, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do what? Nothing. This man, he gives irrefutable logic. Look, you're saying that you don't know who this guy is, but yet he come along and he's opened my eyes. I was born blind. You've not seen in past history where anyone has opened a blind man's eyes. And yet what? If this man could not do such a thing, he could not be of God. And he gives such sound logic that the Pharisees, they're kind of caught in their hypocrisy for a while. It's kind of revealed to everyone else that is standing around but it's probably revealed to them as well. And you know, friends, when conviction comes upon a person's heart, people normally react one of two ways. The first way is what? We repent. Yes, you're right. I should believe Jesus. I should stop, stop condemning him. And that's the first possible scenario. And it's the best. Because that's where truth triumphs. This is where um, relationships are, are brought back together and people are reconciled. This is the best situation when conviction takes place. The sinner comes before Christ. But the other situation is, you're like a deer caught in the headlights. The conviction is there as well. But instead of repenting, you get even more angry. You get angry because your hypocrisy has been revealed. And so the hatred runs even deeper. And this is not even Jesus speaking this time. It is a man that was healed, that was born blind. And he gives this irrefutable logic. If this man was not of God, tell me, how could he do such a thing? And that's where the Pharisees would eventually go and say what? He's not doing it by the power of God. He's doing it by the power of the devil. And you can see that where conviction comes and, and you don't want to accept it, it makes us unreasonable. It makes us dig to the ends of the earth into the deepest depths just to condemn this person. We've got to judge them by their fruits.
Let's continue. John 9.34, they answered and said unto him, the Pharisees now talk back to this man, thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Now look, they're not just saying that this man really was just born in sin. If he was born in sin, then every person is born in sin. But it's not that. When they say you're born in sin, um, they're condemning him because they're saying, look, you were born blind. Remember, you must have done something wrong. You're the one that was um, in the wrong in the beginning and now you're trying to teach us? How dare you? They were upset. Do you see that? And so they were caught and all they do is turn around and scold the man and look down upon him. Oh, don't forget, you were born blind. How dare you try to teach us? I was born in, I was brought up in the rabbinical schools. Do you know how long I've been a pastor or I've been a Pharisee for? How dare you say such a thing to me? And now it's not even about the truth versus error. So uh, you're being disrespectful. And, and you know, they, they turn it to something else. But they have nothing to say. Conviction came, but they've pushed it away. They couldn't answer the logic anymore. So they just tell them, oh, you be quiet, you shut up, you know. And, and they, they said, oh, you were born in sin. How dare you say such thing? And they kicked him out of the church in anger. Friends, I want to ask this evening, are you blind? Are you blind to the blessings of God in your life? Have you misunderstood all that Christ has done for you? You know, this man, he was literally born blind. But the Pharisees, they were in an even worse condition. They were spiritually blind. Later in this story, in John 9.39, Jesus says, For judgment I come to this world, that they which see not... That was that man. Might see he was healed. And they that which uh, and that they which might uh, which see might be made blind. You know, friends, there's a worse condition than being physically blind. It's being spiritually blind. And so I ask you this evening again, are you blind? Are you not aware of the workings of God in your life? the blessings that He poured out so much upon you? Are you blinded by prejudice or envy or hatred? Are you blind to the blessings? Have you forgotten? Maybe you're sitting here this evening and, and you have nothing to praise God and you, you've been thinking so hard and you can't see. You know, friends, it's important to remember the blessings of God in each of our lives because we remember so quickly when something goes bad that oh God why didn't you help me when times are bad oh we're ready to blame God or we're ready to run back to him and ask for help you know but when times are good do you remember the praises on your lips do you remember to give God back the glory are you aware and familiar with even the changes that God wants to make in your life are you blind to your own condition? This is the problem of the Laodicean church. Do you know that? In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, the Bible says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not 
that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Can you believe it? The people in the Laodicean church, which, which is a representation of the time that we're living in today, they don't even know that they're blind. Can you imagine that? So many of us could possibly be blind and we don't even realize it. We, we think our life is good enough. We're satisfied. I don't need God. I don't need Him at all. And we have all sorts of reasons as to why we don't need Him or we don't go to church. But friends, are you blind to how God has blessed you so much? Are you blind for His love for you? Are you blind this evening? Because this man, he understood his need. He was blind physically. But I tell you, his faith was strong. It took hold of the Word of God and he was willing to follow Jesus every step of the way. Are you blind? Are you making excuses as to why you can't follow God? Are you making excuses as to why you're not able to, 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 to be faithful to Him? Have you become blind to your own situation and your great need of Him? And so often we are. We become blind and we make all sorts of reasons. We make all sorts of excuses. We think God needs us more than we need Him. Like the Pharisees, we're ready to condemn God. We're ready to make all sorts of brash statements or we just hardened in our unbelief. Friends, I pray that God would open our eyes today and help us to see. In closing, in John chapter 9 and verse 35 to 37, after this man has been cast out of the synagogue, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and he it is that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You know, Jesus, he shows himself to this man. Now that he can finally see, he doesn't recognize him. But you know what? He recognizes the voice. He recognizes the voice. So when Jesus says, I am he, the one that's talking to you, I'm the Messiah. This man was able to accept it just like that. If we would remember the blessings of God, if we would remember what God has done for us, it would be so easy, so much easier to accept Him as Savior and Lord of our life. We would see how much He blesses us. We would see how much He loves us. We would see how much good He has intention for each and every one of us. We would never fall away. And so I ask you again this evening, friends, are you aware of the blessings of God in your life? Are you aware that God wants to bless you so much? And not just that, are you aware that He has blessed you so much? If you have, then accept Him fully as Lord of your life. This is why praises are so important. Remembering the goodness of God. Friends, if you have not yet, please, right there on the Facebook chat, 
just share your praise. And if you're hearing this on YouTube, you can share on the comment there as well. Just wherever you're hearing this from, you can just go to Benjamin Ung 2013 on Facebook or on YouTube. You'll find it. Just share a praise. Remember the goodness of God. Remember somewhere where you're praising God. And don't, don't just go, well, I'm shy, I'm introvert, I don't share. Or I, I write it in my prayer journal, but I don't want to tell anybody. No, friends. All earth gives glory back to God. Humankind must as well. Let us remember God's goodness to each and every one of us, especially on this Sabbath day. May our faith be strengthened by the praises that we share because we remind ourselves how God is so good to each and every one of us and that we should accept Him as Lord and Savior of each of our lives. Oh, friends, let us learn to give back God the glory that He deserves. He loves each and every one of us. He wants to bless us and He wants to be our Savior this evening as well. I pray that our hearts would be softened and open to Him. I don't know what you've been through, friends. Maybe some of you are struggling in your faith this evening. And if you are, go back and think of at least five praises. And if you cannot pray, God, show me how you've blessed my life. Ah, well, I'm in the midst of some sort of horrible situation. It doesn't matter. There's always a rainbow in the midst of a storm. Look for the rainbow and you'll find it. If we want to focus on the bad, we can focus on the bad. But there's also the good that you can see in how God is blessing in each and every one of this. Let us remember to give God the glory and the praise today. And may God open our eyes and help us to see Him and all His blessings. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for blessing us so much as well. We are so undeserving, Lord, but because of your great love, you pour out the very best for your children. Lord, help us to count our blessings. Help us to never forget. Help us to see how you desire to bless us so much. And so, Father, we just surrender our lives again to you this evening. We ask that you would please pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Help us to discern your goodness. And so, Father, please, guide and lead us is my earnest plea and prayer. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.